Welcome to the Dance to Oneness podcast. My name is Amy Shine, and I'm inviting you to discover and explore the many different paths to more possibilities. Welcome everyone to this episode of the Dance to Oneness podcast. We're on episode 21 and I'm your host, Amy Shine. And today we have a very special guest with us, um, Anne Maxwell. So Anne Maxwell is a psychotherapist and she is also an access consciousness facilitator. She is um, a child therapist and she is one of the co-authors of the incredible book, would you teach a fish how to climb? Sorry, would you see? Would you teach a fish to climb a tree? Boom. I keep putting how in there, and it's not how. <laughs> so welcome, Anne. Thank you, Amy. I'm so happy to be here. This is so cool. I love talking about the book. So, so okay. If we have people listening and they have no idea, what does that mean? Would you teach a fish to climb a tree? Okay. So I've been a therapist. I've had a clinical practice for. Um, God, this year it'll be 30 years since I graduated. And um, from so I've had a clinical practice for 30 years, and my specialty has always been kids and families. And um, many of the kids that I, you know, the misfits, the ones that look a little funny and they talk a little funny and they act a little weird and um, they get labeled as nerds and like nerkies and all that kind of stuff. They're my favorites. I just love them. And um, they, they're they different and they're labeled and made to feel wrong and all kinds of stuff. So very long story, very short was um, oh, 12 years ago, I discovered um access consciousness and i met gary douglas 11 years ago and the, at the first class that i took with him he asked a question about these kids he said about kids with add adhd ocd and autism what if there's nothing wrong with them what if they're just different and i knew that this man had was on to something because I knew that too. They weren't wrong. They were just really different. And he said, what if we need to, many things like, what if we need to teach them the way they learn, not the way we think they should learn? And it, and it just opened up so much of me. So he called me, um, I don't know, six, eight months later, maybe a year later or something. And he asked me if I would help him finish a book that he and Dr. Dane had started and so the title of the book, Would You Teach a Fish to Climb a Tree, comes from an Albert Einstein quote, which is, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will spend its whole life believing that it is stupid. Wow. I know. And, and welcome to the world of these kids, right? It's this book. And the second part of the title is um, a different take on kids with ADD, ADHD, OCD, and autism. And yeah, and so I was happy to help them finish up the book. 
I love that. And that's so incredible. And so you obviously have worked with a lot of kids throughout your life and even, you know, in your journey with access, yeah. you still continue to work with kids. Do you work with adults as well? I do. And it's a, that's a great question, Amy. I, you know, when I was writing the book, um, Gary, I said yes. And then I froze for a month and didn't do anything. <laughs> and then I called Gary and I said, okay, who's the audience for the book? And he said, anybody who has a kid who works with them, who's a therapist, who's a teacher, who's a doctor, nurse, anybody who deals with these kids. And I said, okay. And so, you know, I don't know, six, eight months later, the book was published 10 months later. I can't remember. And um, the first email that I got was from a lady who said, dear Anne, I'm a 75 year old fish and I read the book from cover to cover and didn't stop crying all the way through. I wish this had been around when I was growing up and I just bawled. I, this is one of the very few times I've told that story without crying, <laughs> but you just never know. So yes, it applies to absolutely everybody. And it's funny. I think as adults, we think that it's, you know, we, we don't realize how much we are different. Right. And, and it usually tends to be the kids who are very different. It's their parents are also very different. Exactly. Those, those <laughs> apples don't fall very far yeah. from those trees. Just saying. <laughs> so a lot of times it's like, it's the parents go look, seek something different for their kids. But in the end, it's really the parents who require it. It's so true. And, and it, um, there was one for, can I just, I think this part of the story is in the book, but about this one family, they all had varying degrees of these quote symptoms, but they were all in varying degrees, really, really different. They were brilliant. Um, they all looked pretty quote normal, um, but the dad and the, the, they were twins, a boy and a girl, and they were kindergarten going into first grade. And the mom and the girl were much higher functioning socially than the dad and the little boy were. And the dad was brilliant. And, you know, as an adult, you get to choose so much more of your life than you do as a kid. As a kid, you really, you're told to sit down, shut up, be quiet, raise your hand, don't move, like all this kind of stuff that these kids can't do. And, and then, and then, you know, one of the, one of the things about, people with ADD, ADHD, OCD, and autism is that they're super, 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 super sensitive to everything, to their environment, to other people, to sounds, to noises, to things that other people aren't even aware of. They're like, like that. And they're like radio towers, you know? And, and so this little guy really had a hard time. So they went to so first day of first grade, they, they, you know, they were, they're really, really, really right. And oh, so where I was going with that is as an adult, the dad, I think he was a, a coder or programmer or something for a tech company. And he was able to be in a little cubby sort of by himself and also work at home a little bit. And then when there were office parties, um, mostly they were outside and he'd just go off by himself, you know? But as a kid, you can't do that. And so these, these kids went into um, first grade 
And after three days of they would come home and he would, the little guy would throw a tantrum. The mom called me and she said, I'm not going to make it through through this week, let alone 12 years of this. Like, I can't do this. I need some help. So she came in and, and I, and we taught, I asked her a lot of questions. I said, here's the deal. I get that the teacher is a great school. And I said, I get the teachers really want, are going to want to help your kids. And so what they need from you is information about what works with them and what doesn't work. And, um, and it may be, I said, is he bored? Does he already know how to read? Does he already know how to do all that stuff? And she said, yeah. And so within a week, they'd both bumped up to second grade. And I think he was, he is brilliant at math. I think he was doing basically fourth grade math, first grade of, you know, first week of first grade or second week, something like that. So that helped with that. But, but you know, part of my work as a therapist working with teachers and with parents is to give them, ask them questions so that they can take what they know about themselves and they know about their kids and wrap words around it so that other people can get it and can give them the services and help them do what they need to do. So he had a special, he had a what's known as an IEP because he didn't fit the whatever. And um, which is an individualized education plan. And so that was all about skipping to second grade and fourth grade math and that kind of stuff. And in the social emotional part, one of the goals that they set for him was that he was going to be more social. And the evidence was that he was going to spontaneously interact with other kids. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, and they said that the, the, the evidence that they used that he needed this was that he was isolative. And I'm thinking, I, and so I gave her the language to be able to talk to the school people about how isolative from their point of view with regular kids is really self-soothing from his point of view and what he actually needed to be able to pull all his cells back together again during recess to be able to go back in and withstand the next couple hours until lunch and then until the end of the day, you know, like that kind of stuff. Oh, that's, wow, that's incredible. Like, so like how many, you know, how many people listening to this show, myself included right now, when we went to school, <laughs> like a sensory overload for us, you oh know, my God. going from like, a, I went from like a country school where there was like, there was like seven people in my class to like an all girls school, all girls, nuns, oh my God. run by the nuns. And it was like 30 girls in my class and they were so loud and just like constantly like just noisy and I remember doing that like you said just sitting by myself doing my homework my homework was like my coping mechanism was that on the breaks and at lunchtime to drown out all the noise I would start doing my homework right. so and and I got bullied for it I got told I was a snob and all this stuff and I was stuck up but I just couldn't cope with all the noise so oh. my coping mechanism was to like just focus on this homework and try and block out the noise. But it's so interesting. Like that is like seen as being non-social. Like well, it's being isolative and yes, exactly. And, and, and being uppity. I mean, that's another, or I can't, I don't know what the thing, think being arrogant or arrogant. thinking that you're too good to, 
yeah. be with other people when in fact it, it's, it's a requirement in order for you to be able to make it through the day, you know? And then what they do is they come home and they've, you know, if it, they've managed to stay glued together during the school day that's like that, then they just fall apart when they walk in the house and their parents are like, holy mackerel, what do we, you know, where do we go here? So a lot of it is, um, you know, one of the, one of the things, the language of kids and the language of different kinds of kids is so different from the language of many adults. And then, and then every field has a particular language, like there's an education language. And then, and then within education, there's a special ed language and a voc ed and a this, that, you know, like all that kind of stuff. And then um, with kids, depending on what the ages are and stuff like that. And one of the things that I do in my practice is teach people the language of the other person that's that they're having some difficulties with to teach each of them the language of the other one so they can learn how to maneuver, get along like that. And, and what I do with, with the kids is teach them the language of these other people and so that they don't take it so personally. So they get, so can I tell one more story? Yeah, please. Yep. So um, one of my, um, in fact, I saw his daughter the other day, but, and he's now 18 or 19. We was working at Winter Park on the ski thing. But anyway, I just love this guy. I'm going to call him Danny. And um, I, his mom is amazing. And I would see Danny off and on whenever he, there was something that was sort of up in his world. And he would come in for like one session, maybe, or two sessions with his mom. And then he would disappear until there was another reason for him to come back. Brilliant, totally, totally autistic and pretty highly functioning, ADD or ADHD also, a super athlete. And, um, and so for purposes of this story, he was quarterback of a championship league football team when he was in the seventh and eighth grade. And in the eighth grade, six weeks after school started, he and his mom came in and they were both, you could just tell they were both so mad at each other. They were like, mom. And I said, what's up? And she goes, he's failing math. <laughs> well, math had been, math was, he's brilliant at math and he's always functioned a couple of grades above in math. And I started laughing and he goes, not funny. <laughs> Danny, what's going on? How come you're failing math? And he goes, my teacher hates me. And so we had a conversation. And th th this is a shorter version of the exchange. But I just, this is one of those exchanges I wish I'd had a camera on because it was just freaking awesome. I said, so um, uh, tell me about your teacher. She hates me. Well, how can you tell? Because she's always telling me, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and I said, so are you different from your teacher? And he said, yes. And I said, um, does she think like you do? And he goes, no. And I said, are you quicker than your teacher? And he started to calm down a little bit. And he said, oh, and the deal is that you can't play in a league if you're failing a subject. Yeah. And he was failing math. So that was, I mean, he really had a, he really had some skin in this game because he wanted to play. So um, and he, so is she, it, are you quicker than she is? Yes. And I said, can you learn just by reading the book and, you know, learning on your own, everything that she's trying to teach you? And he goes, yeah. And, um, 
And I said, so what if your teacher wants to be a good teacher and do a good job and she doesn't know how you function? She doesn't know about you and she can't because she just can't. She's not like you. And he didn't say anything. And I said, what if you can pretend to be who she wants you to be without becoming that, right? So what is it that she is going to need from you in order to give you a passing grade? And he didn't say anything. And I said, how are you handing in your, your assignments? Are you handing them in a way that she's asking for them? Or are you handing them in a way that you figured it all out? And he nodded his head at that. And I said, well, can you translate into that into what she's asking for? Um, and he sort of looked at me and I said, here's the deal, Danny. Don't ever become somebody that you're not ever, no matter who the other person is who seems to be asking you to be that. But it's really okay for you to pretend to be who they want you to be if it's going to make your life easier for you. And he said, can I do that? I said, I don't know, can you? <laughs> so two weeks later, his mom called me back and said, thank you. He's passing. And I said, how's he doing with the um, teacher? And she, she said, he's quit. Oh, we had a whole thing about how he was punishing her for not being able to get him. <laughs> she said, he's quit punishing her, um, but he didn't like her any better. And I said, good. Awesome. <laughs> Brilliant. I love yeah. it. But like that. Because they, they don't get it. Like people don't get it that that other people aren't. I don't get it that other people aren't like me. I know you don't either, right? We think that just because we're good at something or we get something that everybody else is going to know. And because it's easy for us, it's going to be easy for everybody else. Come to find out that's not true. Yeah. Yeah, we don't get that. We're actually different. We really don't get it. I know. Like, and he was missing that information. He didn't have the information that he could give her what she wanted. Yes, without becoming it. He thought that she should get him, but she couldn't he get thought, him. He thought that she should get him, and he was hell-bent for leather that he was not going to become somebody that he's not because mm -hmm. he and I had talked a lot about that. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And what would you do? So we have a question, too. Someone was asking, like, if you have kids – who have like a lot of OCD, ADHD, autistic, a lot of energy or, you know, like that just don't want to be social. How, how do you, how do, how can their parents be with them? Like what questions can their parents ask? Well, one of the, sorry, my dog is my guard. Okay. She, actually, she's bored and she wants me to take her for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about I think the question or this person's question was um I had some people send me in questions was how do you recommend to communicate? How can parents communicate with their children about their children's abilities in a way that the children can hear? Which well, you just kind of give an example there, but is there any other examples you have? Well um if you have a point of view about how your kids should be your kid's going to pick up on that and push back really hard or with varying degrees, either go underground or fight you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the thing that, the thing that my favorite question for kids is, um, so what do you know about this? 
right? That's what I asked him. I don't know whether I said that, but that's really what I asked him about his teacher. So what do you know about your teacher? She hates me. So what else do you know about her? She hates me. So what else do you know about her? And he didn't say anything. And then I said, um, so is she different, right? But if, if you're, as a parent, you're not the, you're not the therapist. And, and I really, I'm really curious about people. And I honestly don't have a point of view about what the right answer is, because there is no right answer. I'm really curious about where they are and how they function and what got them there and, you know, what their points of view are. And then inviting them to something different, which is easy for me as a therapist, seeing a kid 45 minutes to an hour once in a while. It's different. I get it. As a parent, you live with them. You birth them. (laughs) They're yours for life or you're theirs for life. I get that it's really different. And if you can um, let go of all the beliefs that you have about parenting, about kids, about what success looks like, about the way they should be, like all that kind of stuff, and then ask them questions without like, a, here's the thing, a question, if you know what the answer is, isn't a question. It's a statement with a question mark at the end of it. So what do you want for dinner is a statement with a question mark at the end of it. It presupposes A, that they're hungry, B, that they're going to eat and C, that it's going to be in the form of dinner. Are you hungry? That's a question. Brilliant. That's a great example, Anne. Right? Yeah. When are you going to get your homework done is a statement with a question mark at the end of it. Do you have homework is a question, right? How was, how was your day is a question. Did you have fun at school is a statement with a question mark at the end of it. Right. And you think about when, when it's a huge difference energetically because it presupposes that there's some answer they're supposed to give you. When kids are just, they're just, and especially these kids are energetic little beings. They really are. I mean, everything is energy for them. And it really matters very little what people say compared to how, who they are with energetically, how they're presenting themselves to you. And so if you have a point of view about something, they're going to know it probably before you even do. And so the first step is to let go of all those points of view and then, and you know, I'm sure Amy has done tons of podcasts on how to do on yeah. ways to do that, right. And then, and then once you, once you're, once you're, once you have some space with that, you can ask questions like, so, you know, your child comes home, so-and-so is mean to me, or my teacher was mean to me. So what do you know about, what do you know about Joey? Well, he's mean, he's a bully, right? What else do you know about Joey? Well, he, he's a bully. Well, what else do you know about Joey? Well, he bullies. Now, does Joey just bully you or does he bully other people? He bullies everybody. He bullies other people, right? You know, like that kind of stuff. But anyway, does that make sense? You're constantly asking questions that gets them to look at what they're aware of, not getting asking questions to try and get your get the right view across. Yeah. And I think the big thing with being a parent is that, I mean, that you think you need to do everything right and you need right. to make sure you're doing the good job and so when you go to question your kids it's not really a question because you're trying to make sure that you know you're doing a, the good job by making sure they're doing good 
So that brings me to my favorite question for parents is what is your job as a parent? Right. And a lot of parents, most parents will say to guide, to do this, to do that, to blah, blah, blah. And my response is what if your job as a parent is to teach your kids to choose, not how to choose, but to choose. Right. And how do you do that? You give them information and then you let them choose. Right. So back to the dinner thing. Are you hungry? Yes. Well, I'm going to be cooking blah, blah, blah. You know, we'll eat in a little bit or, or you may ask a question. How about, how about this? Or how about that? Or what are you hungry for? You know, depending on what kind of mood you're in or I don't have time to cook. I, I, we're going to get takeout. How about one of these two play? You know what I mean? Like that yeah. kind of stuff. And, and you give them the information and then you let them, you let them choose. So the information that, that Danny had in that other example was that he knew that if he failed math, he was going to get kicked off the team or he wouldn't, he wouldn't, wouldn't be allowed to play as long as his grades were failing. And that was a really high bar for him. He didn't want to, he didn't want to cross that. And so the information that I gave him was in the form of asking him questions so that he could come up with the information himself about how different he was from his teacher. Yeah, you didn't tell him that he I was, didn't tell him. No. You asked him questions that you asked him questions that allow him to get his own awareness. And that's right. such a gift. Yeah. So when you your own awareness, nobody can take that away from you. And I didn't know what he was gonna say and all that. I had sort of a I had a sense. I mean, yeah. you get sort of a sniff, you know that. Yeah. You, you get an idea about where people are headed, but a lot of times they'll surprise me. Yeah. But what do you know about blah, blah, blah? And what else do you know? What else do you know? And you let them talk it through that, you know, I'm not going to do my homework. Okay. So what's going to happen when you go to school tomorrow? Nothing. Okay. And walk away, you know, let them be that, that most kids don't want to fail. And this is such a weird year with COVID and all that, with kids being at home for a lot of it or housebound. But, um, and so I don't know how they're going to do with, you know, missed learning, yeah. which is really weird, missed learning and well, grades and all that. This may just be a giveaway year where, you know, next year kids are just going to need to catch up. Yeah. But the reality is most people want to do well. They don't want to be held back. They don't want to fail. They don't want to do that. And, and yet if you take responsibility for the fact that your kid's going to repeat first grade or third grade or you know, not get into the college that they want to get into, then you're, then everybody gets to blame you. Here's the thing. Here's your kid. Here's whatever it is that's going on with them. And if you intervene, two things happen. One is that they don't ever get to work through whatever it is, because the reality is when you choose something instantly, there's an awareness that comes up. And so if you intervene, in the choice that they're making to try to get them to choose something else, you don't get the awareness of what this is going to do. All they, they get to fight with you. You, you become their problem, not this, you're their problem. And then by assuming that role of being the problem, <laughs> when in fact you're not, you take yourself out of being the parent resource that kids turn to when they're in trouble, when they need some help. Right. Right because they can't go to you for help because there you are right in their face. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. And that's pretty common. 
is huge. Yeah, mm. it is. And so, so one last story. Yeah. And I have a question too, but go for your story. Okay. So just a really quick story. Kids of all ages can choose. They can. So a friend of Amy's and what? mine. No, they can. So no. a friend of a friend of ours. A three-year-old. Okay. This is a year and a half, year and a half old. Okay. So um, friend of Amy's and mine, her son was a year and a half and a lot of family get togethers in Colorado um, outdoor grill, family around barbecue, like that kind of stuff. And, and the first weekend that, that, that this happened, that the family got together, this little guy would run towards the grill acting like he was going to, you know, he's like, a t he's, he's pretty athletic, but yeah. run towards the grill acting like he was going to touch it. And his mom screamed at him. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. And I saw her in class a couple of days later and she said she was, um, she was almost in tears. She said she cried the whole afternoon and they had to leave early because it was so awful because he wouldn't stop. And I said, here's the deal, hon. Give him the information and then let him choose. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, so take his hand. Next time you guys have a cookout, make sure that the grill is really hot before you get there and, and take his hand right up to the grill. Don't touch the grill, but let him feel the heat. And say to him, if you touch this big owie, big, 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 big owie, and if you touch it, I'm going to have to take you to the doctor. And you know how much it hurts when you get a shot. And I said, you can make up whatever you want to make up about how awful it's going to be at the doctor and how much it's going to hurt. And, um, and then you say, and then you walk away. You just leave it at that. And I said, if he called, are you, are you willing to take him to the ER if he calls your bluff? And she said, I don't know. And I said, all right, we'll consider it. So she called me back after the second weekend that they did this. And she said she did everything that we talked about and, and, you know, took his hand up and then turned back and was talking with some friends. And literally a nanosecond later, he goes, mom, and he's a cutie little guy, you know, he's smiling at her with his hand out like that, like he's going to run over to the grill and touch it. And she said, it's the hardest thing I'd ever done as a parent up until that point. I just shrugged my shoulders like this and I walked away. And she said he never did it again. Wow. He was testing her. Year and a half. Choice creates awareness. It doesn't matter how old they are. They get it. So, yeah. That takes, that takes you letting go of control, though, as a parent. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> Just a tad. So, and I have a question before we finish. Yeah, so yeah. what would be, like, um, one of the, the biggest myths you have found in which um, – with dealing with kids with OCD, ADD, ADHD, like what's one of the biggest lies? Well, that there's something wrong with them, right? There's nothing wrong with them. They're just different, right? They function differently. They don't think the same way. They don't emote the same way. They don't, um, they don't socialize the same way. They're, they're just different. There's nothing wrong with them. And so many of them are so brilliant. And I think the real travesty is because they're diagnosed and um, given meds and that kind of stuff. They think there's something so terribly wrong with them. 
and they spend so much of their lives trying to make up for that or hide that or not be that or whatever when in fact they're just different they're just brilliant okay this is this is my last little thing so I I think she was eight years old she's just a cutie with this bright blonde hair and bright blue eyes and she was just a pistol you know couldn't keep her mouth shut just brilliant skinny little thing and she came in because she didn't have any friends or the friends that she wanted to be friends with wouldn't be friends with her. Maybe she was nine. That's sort of a nine-year-old thing. And um, she said, I just want to be like them. I said to to her, here's the news, my darling. You're not like that. You have never been like them. You're not like them now and you will never be like them. So get over your sorry, sad self and be who you are and have some fun. And she started laughing, (laughs) but it's really true, you know, like just to, and then, and then you can help them with how to make a friend and how to do this kind of stuff. But, um, when, when kids feel good about who they are, they tend not to attract um, people who think there's something wrong with them. If kids, if kids think there's something wrong with them, they attract bullies and they attract people who are mean. Wow. That's brilliant. That's a meme. If kids, (laughs) if kids like who they are, then they won't attract people who think typically they don't, they don't attract people who are mean to them. And so, and last question, like, what do you, what do you see? What would you like to see as the world in the future? Big question, I know. But like, what do you see as possible as the world we could have with, where we're, we're not medicating, where there's a different possibility well, of medication? For some, I don't, I'm not, I'm not against medication. I, don't, yeah. I really don't have a position on medication. And for some kids, um, some medication for some periods of time is a, is a kindness to them. It's really easy. So it's really a, a on a case by case and incident by incident basis and something that parents and kids and um, doctors need to make on their own. And that's a great thing to also recognize because I think what we do is we take positions. So you either have people who are for medication or medication. So then, you know, you have the families who are like so against medication that they won't actually look at what you just said, like sometimes it may be kind. Yeah. and and but it doesn't have to be the answer so right. like if you didn't align and agree or resist and react like what would be possible right right you have to ask what's this going to create and ask the body too ask the kid's body and ask the kid to ask their body great too And what would it be like if we lived in a world where our difference was celebrated? Wouldn't it be amazing? Like this polarity, this world of polarity that we're living in right now is just bone crushingly awful if I spend time thinking how awful it is. But when I do stuff like this, like talk with you about how how amazing these kids are and, and do the stuff that I love to do somehow there there is magic there are changes that are possible and it doesn't you know it doesn't look like what we think it's going to look like but and it is happening like people everywhere are waking up to the 
capacities and abilities their kids have and like I hear it way more now than I did 20 years ago you know like oh my kid is like got these capacities my kid is right superpowers you hear about superpowers in the news so-and-so is a superpower it's like yeah and I just want to invite anyone who's listening if you haven't you know gotten if this is a topic that's reaching out to you go to Anne Maxwell's website I put in the link here it's www.annemaxwell.com CSW. LCSW is three L's, two oh, L's for Maxwell and one for LCSW. Yeah. And her book is on our website. It's also on Amazon. It's on the Access Consciousness website. Yeah. Would you teach a fish to climb a tree? And it's translated in many languages. Yeah. Um, so it's an inc- incredible, it's not just a book you read once, it's a resource. Like the their tools are all the tools are in that book. Um, and you also teach teach it as a class, right? You do a class. I do. I do. I haven't done a fish class for a while. It just got translated into Spanish and into Turkish. So um, I, I think I may, and especially with the the lifting of the lifting of stuff in this country, I may yeah travel again. Who knows? And Anne also has a website, and on her website you can book a session with her. She she works with kids. She works with families. She works with adults. You can book private sessions with her. She's got lots of online classes. She does amazing classes with gaslighting, with all different types of topics. And so check her stuff out. She's incredible. And so is Amy. I love you so much. I'm so happy for you. You're just amazing. And this is an awesome podcast. And, And I love the title, The Dance to Oneness. God, what a great, that's such an Amy thing. That's just perfect. Thank you so much, Anne. Well, thanks for joining me. Thanks, everyone, for watching. If you have any questions from this show, you can find Anne on Facebook. And um, where else can they find you? Her website. So Yeah, Instagram, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Dance to Oneness podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe. If you'd like to know more about what I have to offer, you can find me at www.amyshine.net.